Thank you. Thank you and good morning. It is a joy to be here with you fine folks at South Point. We were privileged this year to arrive in time to make the Christmas Eve service. And I want you to hear me. I deeply appreciate all of those who invested the energy and the time to make that a very meaningful worship service. I was blessed to be there. It had not felt like Christmas for me until we worshiped together. And yes, I came out here in California at Christmas this year. I thought my wife was crazy when she said, let's spend Christmas and New Year's with the kids on the West Coast. I'm getting old and I'm feeling it. And while I have five wonderful granddaughters who live in San Diego County, I rarely get to spend Christmas and New Year's with them, but we got to spend Christmas Eve together. My daughter drove down from North County with her two girls and with Brett's three girls. We had a delightful Christmas Eve. But for me, the crowning moment was the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is really all about. And I was deeply, deeply blessed. And and my heart was very, very much encouraged. When you've lived as long as I have, three score years and 10 and a couple more thrown in there, you begin to find it becoming increasingly difficult sometimes to get into the Christmas spirit. I grew up in northern Indiana where the weather by Thanksgiving was hovering between freezing and below freezing and I didn't have to dream about white Christmases. I had to shovel them. Um, Yeah, they were fun after you got the driveway shoveled and the sidewalk shoveled and all of that. We had a lot of fun in the snow and ice skating. Um, Back where I grew up, they would flood the tennis courts in the public parks and you could go ice skate. Um, That's just what we did. So for me, coming to the West Coast, it's a little different mentally. And in preparing for worship today, and when Brett said, Dad, would you be willing to speak this morning? I promised the Lord when I retired from full-time ministry, full-time teaching, I would still take advantage every time I had an opportunity. And there's no group I would rather be speaking to than you this morning. You folks are in my prayers every Sunday. I'm praying for you before you gather here, even the early setup crew, because of the time differential. I pray for this church every week. I hope you're doing the same. And when you pray for the church, you're not simply praying for an organization. You're praying for people. Pray for your pastor. He needs it. I hope even as I'm speaking this morning, you'll be praying for me. 
because I don't want you to hear my great words of wisdom. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. And in thinking about preaching on the first Sunday of the new year, I thought, how in the world do we start? Many of us started yesterday with the old familiar greeting, Happy New Year. Some of us who have lots of time to think are thinking about how hollow that felt last year. Do you remember when 2021 came to an end? I don't know about the rest of you. I thanked God the old year was done. And I thought there were a lot of other things that were going to be done too. And some of those hopes weren't fulfilled. I want to wish you a blessed new year. But here we are, the first Sunday in January. Have you ever seen a picture of the old Roman God who gave his name to the first month of the Roman calendar that we still utilize? The God Janus. Janus had two heads. One growing right out of the back of the other. And depending on which way you looked at Janus, if you looked at him from the side, you had one face face this way and another face facing that way. Now, a few of you younger folks think your parents have eyes in the back of their heads. My mother always seemed to. She could figure out what I was doing without ever turning her head. And she had a way of talking that direction when I was back here. And I thought, how in the world did she know what I was doing? Well, mothers know. And sometimes dads do too. But Janice had two faces. One facing forward, the other one facing backward. Do we celebrate New Year's a little bit like that? What's one of the most familiar songs you hear on New Year's Eve? Auld Lang Syne. Where does that song start? Should old acquaintances be forgotten? Never more to be brought to mind. Many times we start New Year's Eve looking backwards. But as New Year's Day dawns, which way should we be looking? Forward. But can we forget what's behind us? Not really. It's still part of what has been shaping who we are. And for the last couple of years, there's been a lot of stuff in the rearview mirror. Some of it we'd like to forget. Some of it we'll never forget. Some of us in the last year or two have lost people we know, love, and deeply appreciate. You, you get to be 70 plus years old and you're amazed at the number of people 
you know and think about almost as contemporaries who start dying one after another after another. They're gone. And we feel the loss when we think backward. And I thought, you know, in many ways, the last two years have been characterized by what feels to many of us Christians as great darkness. 2021 was a dark year. I didn't realize how dark I felt at the end of 21 until I sat down and I'm one of that generation that used to write a Christmas letter. You know, the kind of thing you drop into the Christmas card to bring people you haven't seen for a long time up to date about what you've been doing, the places you and your wife have gone and the things we've enjoyed and then what's going on in the lives of our kids. Some of you get Christmas cards like that from folks of my generation who wrote Christmas letters. I tried to write a Christmas letter in 2021. And when I got done, I reread it and I let it sit overnight. And I took a good look at it and I said, this is too depressing to send to anybody I love and care about. We felt in year 2021 that we had been walking in Psalm 23 and we got stuck in that valley of the shadow of death with everything that went on. That seemed to sum it up. And I even tried to write my Christmas letter walking through Psalm 23. Thank God the psalmist doesn't die in that valley. But I felt like we were still stuck there. I'm not sure if I tried to do one for 2021, it would be much better than it was in 2020. We've been living in a dark time. We live in a world that can be at times culturally characterized as great darkness. There was a Christian author more than 35 years ago who wrote a book and I think he was 35 or six years ahead of his time with his title. His name was Frank Peretti and he wrote a book entitled This Present Darkness. Now I don't necessarily recommend the book. He made some conclusions I certainly don't agree with and I wasn't real a big fan of it back then. But I thought that title might apply to the way some of us feel about what's behind. We've lived in an age of very present darkness. But you didn't come to church to worship this morning. To be dragged into the depths of gloom and darkness. And if that's what you really want, just go home and turn on any news channel of your choice and listen to it. I have to sometimes tell the adults in my adult Sunday school class people, if you want to serve God joyously and faithfully, shut the news off fairly regularly. Stay informed and then shut it off. It doesn't often get better 
We didn't come today to hear doom and gloom, did we? We need to focus forward on this first Sunday in January into the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thought one of the best places we could start with that would be, and if you have your Bibles handy by whatever means, turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 1. Verse 1. And hear with me the word of God from the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. The prologue, the introductory section to this amazing and powerful gospel. And it takes us back to the beginning. And it reminds us of a truth we need to be reminded of in 2022. In the beginning was the word. Greek word for word is logos. In the beginning was the logos. And this word, this logos was with God. And this logos, this word was God. How long has the word of God been around? From the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into existence. In him, in this word, was life. And this life was the light of Of all humanity. And this light shines, present tense, meaning it has shone and keeps on shining. This light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not and could not, and the Greek verb here can be translated. New American Standard translates it, did not comprehend it. The darkness doesn't understand nor comprehend the light. But that verb can also be translated, could not overpower it. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of the world. Jesus Christ, the word, the ultimate word that God spoke into human existence. We believe in a God who spoke, don't we? A God who has spoken. We believe also in a God who continues to speak into the present. Precisely and particularly And first and foremost, through what he has already spoken. God spoke. Go back to the first chapter of Genesis. How did everything come to be from the beginning? God spoke and it was so. 
And this God who has spoken is the God who goes on speaking. And in the fullness of time, Scripture tells us the ultimate speech event of God was no longer merely language spoken to a select few. But more than 2,000 years ago, he spoke in person through his son, Jesus, the one whose birth we just celebrated. God figured we needed to hear it loudly, clearly, and distinctly enough that in him we couldn't miss it unless we chose not to receive it. The text goes on to tell us that the darkness couldn't put out this light. Now there came a man sent from God whose name was John who came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. John testified so that everybody who heard him could come to believe through his testimony. He was not, verse 8 tells us, the light, but he came to testify about the light. Verse 9, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every person. And he came to his own people. Could be referring to his own clan, his own family group. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. Can you envision what it would feel like or would have felt like for Judy and for me to have made the trip from Nashville to San Diego and basically had both of my kids call and say, gee, I hope you can find an Uber. We're not going to come pick you up. And by the way, hope you have hotel reservations. You're not staying with us. I have news for you. If that had been the reception, we would have expected, I wouldn't have bothered making the trip. Jesus came to his own and they did not receive him. He was not embraced with open arms into loving homes and families when he first arrived. So he came to his own and they did not receive him, but as many as who did receive him, he gave to them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And that's still true until this very day. If we choose to receive him, he has given us the right and the privilege to be part of his extended family. That's what the church is. It's the extended family of those who have chosen to receive him. And those who believe in his name were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, 
not of the will of human beings, but rather according to the will of God. God wants us as his children to join the family. And then the good news. And why can we wish one another today at the close of worship a happy new year? Because as verse 14 tells us, and the word, the logos, became flesh. And he chose to pitch his tent among us. And if you want to think of it this way, when Jesus came to earth, God chose to go camping with us. He liked our campsite and he said, I want to live here and share life together with you. So when the word became flesh, he became one of us. And we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who comes after me has a higher rank than I do, for he existed before me. Even though John was born a few months before Jesus as you find out if you reread the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. But John understood he existed before I did. And of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. How can we, in the midst of this present darkness, have a happy new year? We focus on the light that has shone into our world and we give thanks, as our musician said, for the 10,000 reasons we have received. Grace upon grace upon grace. Think about it. What marks the life of a gracious person? Is it the fact that once in their life they decide, I'll extend grace to this person once? Is that what makes you gracious as a part and parcel of your character? No. It's grace upon grace upon grace. We've received that through this word that was with God and was God from the very beginning. And then he goes on to tell us in verse 17. For the Torah, the law, which means more than simply the legal code. It means literally the gift of God for the people of God. The teaching and the instruction to bring life at its fullest. That's what Torah meant to the good faithful Jew in the Old Covenant. What Moses brought to the people was more than just a list of rules. You got to do this and you can't do that. It was God's instruction for living a good quality of life. That was given through Moses. Grace and truth 
were realized through Jesus Christ. And then verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. Not even Moses who wanted to see God face to face and was told. Sorry, Moses, but that doesn't work. I'm going to pass by and if you keep your head turned away and look up toward the end, you might glance and catch sight of my flag as I'm disappearing. But you're not going to see me face to face. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, however, the one who was in the bosom of the Father from the beginning, he has, and here's the only use of the verb in the Greek New Testament, he has exegeted him for us. I used to teach a course called Introduction to Biblical Exegesis. It's he explained him. He interpreted him. He has unpacked the meaning of him for us. How do we know what God the Father is really like? Take a good look at Jesus. He was the final speech act of God given to us that we might know God and that being enlightened by the light of the world that came in Jesus, we might walk in that light. Now that's good news going forward. So what all does it mean for us to walk in the light? Well, there's a second text I want to look at with you this morning. Found in Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. And in Colossians 1, beginning in verse 9 forward, we find what New Testament scholars consider the most exalted Christology anywhere in the New Testament. And if you have a hard time finding it, Colossians is a short little book. It goes Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you get to Thessalonians, you've gone a little too far. You come back just a little bit to Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, we begin to see this amazing exalted Christology as Paul prays for the Colossian Christians. And picking up there in verse 9, Paul says, We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. So practically, how do we do that? How do we walk in a manner 
worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Well, that's precisely what walking in the light is about. In 1 John, he talks about we are to walk in the light as he is in the light and we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all of our sins. That's 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, or 1 through 9. Walking in the light is how we walk in order to walk worthy of the Lord. Bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. For what purpose? For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father. How are we going to hang in there in 2022? How are we going to be able, living in a darkening culture, to continue to live as those who have seen the light, received the light, and are walking in the light? It's by being faithful to the one who has called us to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. And bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. My son indicated I've been following the Lord longer than he's been alive. But I'm still seeking to know him better, know more about him, and more faithfully embody what I know about him. We all need to be increasing and abounding in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Walking with him, giving thanks as we proceed. And then the really, really good news. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. He pulled us out of that dark, hopeless world that was our present reality apart from Jesus Christ. He rescued us from that. Were we children of darkness? Yes. Did we follow the deeds and activities of darkness? Yes. But are we stuck there? No longer. Because he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So maybe in 2022, we need to celebrate our transfer. It doesn't mean the darkness has gone away. What it does mean is, but that doesn't dictate what's ahead of us. We're walking in the light. 
We are walking with the light bearer and the light giver. We're walking in a new domain. The one in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And if you have a hard time being thankful in January of 2022, be thankful for the forgiveness of sins. That's what God provided when that word became flesh on our behalf. And then the Christology continues with verse 15. This one who has redeemed us is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The Greek word here for image is icon. And it quite literally means the one who bears the imprint and the stamp. How do we know what the invisible God is like? He sent his iconic son who bears the stamp of the almighty God himself on behalf of all humanity. A human being bearing the complete, total, non-counterfeit image of the almighty God. By him, this Christ, all things were created. Do we live in an amazing, awe-inspiring creation here on earth? Just open your eyes and look around. It is amazing what God has created. And he created everything, both in the heavens and on earth, that which is visible and invisible. And whether we're talking about thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. He's ahead of them. And in him, all things quite literally cohere. They hold together. What's holding this world together right now? The cosmocrator who is holding it all together. Jesus Christ. He's the glue, if you want to say it, that holds it all together. That's what keeps us going. He's also head of the body. Now, are there times as a theologian, I sit back and scratch my head and say, do you really want to claim the church as the body of Jesus Christ? And as frustrated as an elderly man like me gets with my physical body, can you imagine how frustrated Jesus gets sometimes? With his earthly body, the church, made up of fallible people like you and me and us and our brothers and sisters in Christ. But he's the head. He's the chief. He's the one who is completely in charge. He's the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. 
so that, as the text tells us, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Jesus Christ is the preeminent one. And if you want to think of it in those terms, he doesn't need to wait for the playoffs to determine who's number one. He is. He has been from the beginning. He has continued to be and he remains the preeminent one. The one who is above it all. That's Jesus Christ our Lord. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. His primary goal was reconciliation, bringing back together into right relationship. That's what he came to do, this one first born from the dead. And although you, and the Greek here is plural, meaning all of you, if you were all Southerners, I could say y'all, Although y'all were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, and engaged in evil deeds, yeah, that's us, yet now he has reconciled all of us in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Christ went before us shining the light for us that we might be an acceptable offering unto the Father through Jesus Christ. There's that grace upon grace upon grace upon grace that we have all experienced. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. How do we do it? We remain established and faithful and true to him. That's the good news of the gospel. This is what God in Jesus Christ has done for us. So can we, yes, 2022, in the midst of all that's going on around us, can we continue making progress in the light? Simple concept. The entire gospel of John points toward Jesus is the light of the world. And if we are walking in the light, having fellowship with him, there is enough light for every one of us as individuals, but there's also enough light for us to bring others along with us. 2022, let's make that journey.
a journey in which we are looking toward the ultimate reality that is ours in Jesus Christ. Do I thank God that the word that God spoke came so crystal clear that we could get it? Sure do. I'm thankful for the words God has spoken in the past, for the words that he uses to continue to speak to us in the present. And whether it's through the evangelist John or the apostle Paul, God has spoken. And his final word for 2022 is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. In him is life and light. And my challenge for you and for me in the year ahead is to determine to walk faithfully, consistently, for as long as I have breath, following him. And if the light grows dim, get closer to the life and light giver, Jesus Christ. Can we thank God for a new year? Can we thank God for what he has done and what he is doing and what he is preparing to do? God only knows what good things lie ahead. But we give thanks to him for what he is up to in our world in 2022. Would you pray with me? And then Pastor Brett's going to come and lead us in communion. Father, we thank you for these great texts of scripture today. Thank you for the word that became flesh. Thank you that our Lord Jesus knows what it feels like to shiver with cold, to drip with sweat in the heat. To experience what it feels like to carry the power of the message of the Spirit in a physical human body. And we thank you that through his body, you put sin to death once and for all and made forgiveness of sin a reality. Thank you for the light that you have shined and continue to shine. And I pray, O oh God, that that light will continue to shine ever more brightly here in this place among these good godly people. And as we live into 2022, may we demonstrate the good news of the light of the world, Jesus Christ our Lord, as we continue to walk in the light. And we pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.